Sports Reports is ordered is here, ladies and gentlemen. We are back in the building. Mike Wilson, you know me as 2-5, right up from me, Raphael Rutley. Tonight, do we believe in the king? Should we take him seriously? Then we're going to get into, is Portland wasting Dame Lillard's prime? Kyrie Irving, where do we go from here? And then finally, we're going to cap it off with a little ball and then get it off my chest. Raphael, Mr. Rutley, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Welcome back. It's been How a long doing? time. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, you know, get busy over here in Jersey. But yeah, so we're going to switch it up. Try to still get you guys two episodes a week. As you can see, we're starting to do a little bit different here. We got the live with StreamYard. So we're going to be recording these and then posting them. But then soon, we're going to be live. People can chime in. I mean, we're doing a lot of things. And that's, that's all because of you guys' input, people following us, uh, commenting, sending us messages, things like that. So, like, it's, it's, all, it's all good. It's all good criticism. It's all good love. You know, so as we get better at this, we'll advance our technique and advance display. So thank you, everybody, for sticking with us through the earliest set. Now we're going to, you know, try to move on a little bit, move on up, George Jefferson style. Yes. So as usual, like us, rate us, review us, srao23.com. That website is up. You will be getting Facebook invites. You will be getting Instagram invites. Stay in touch with us. Holla at your boys. But Raph, so I've been looking at these NBA standings. The Sacramento Kings are second in the West. So you buying or selling? I'm going to have to say this. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I mean, I think that right now the 2-7 matchup, it could be any one of these teams fighting for the play-in. Right now, Golden State's sitting at seven. We all know their road record is garbage. And I think the Kings, I think they're playing with renewed energy. I think Mike Brown's taking the team to the finals. He's he's been he's been there. So it's like I think that kind of enthusiasm. They have been in the playoffs since 2006, 17 seasons. Because back in the day, like a lot of people probably don't realize this, the the Lakers, Kings, West Western Conference battles were aggressive. Like they were aggressive battles. I mean, if it wasn't for Tim Gannity, you never know might, what might happen in that series. I mean, a lot of that shifted. And when you have teams that are traditionally known to be powerhouses, a lost player here, a lost coach here, it can set you back years. I mean, Rick Adelman, they didn't renew his contract after they lost in 2006. And they said they haven't been back since. And we've seen the litany of coaches that came through there. You had Luke Walton, who was hot for a little bit with Golden State, go down to L.A., then he went up to Sac- you know, Sacramento. So he basically took over California with his coaching. It didn't last long. So, you know, it just – I think a young team, they have good scores. They have a, a big man that can shoot, rebound, pass. I think they believe in each other. I think De'Aaron Fox is a matchup nightmare for any other point guard that has to guard him straight up. So I'm believing in the Kings. What you say? So, you know, I try to do the numbers thing. There's a lot of numbers that don't favor the Kings. You know, like, for example, they're 25th in defensive rating. So I don't think you just turn on defense once the playoffs start. 
you know, I'm trying to fight that bias because even right now in this moment, I'm like, oh, if LeBron comes back, the seven seed, like, am I really picking the Kings to beat them in a series? You know, am I picking the Kings over the Warriors if it comes down to that? Maybe because the Warriors can't win on the road, seven and 29, by the way. You know, am I picking them over the Clippers? You know, and I'm struggling because the answer to those questions are probably low. But then I came across a, a beacon of light. All right, you ready for this one? What's ready? Let's hit this nugget. The Kings and the Clippers are the only teams in the West with winning records on the road right now. So that changed my perspective a little bit because as you've heard me say a couple of times, there should be no team in the West that fears another team in the West. You know, it's just not that kind of West this year. So the Kings should, should be able to win a series, but I think it's dependent on matchup. Because like I mentioned, I'm not picking them over the Warriors. I'm not picking them over the Clippers. I probably, it would be a toss up with the Lakers. I would probably pick them today over Dallas, going off of everything we've seen from Dallas lately. You know, then I was looking at this, and not only do the Kings have a winning road record, but they're 21 and 13 on the road and 21 and 14 at home. So if that's not consistency, I don't know what is. They do yeah. have a coach that got to the finals before. So, you know, that helps. Aaron Fox leads the league in clutch points this season. So, you know, once I found out about the road record, I started leaning a little more towards I believe in them. But I think this is the year that they end up paying their dues. You know, they get got by somebody. And then next year it starts the process. Yeah, like, I mean, like, are they Western Conference Finals bound? Maybe, because all the teams you listed off, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, they have championship pedigree because you have Kawhi Leonard won a couple of rings. Then you have LeBron, obviously, and AD and the Lakers. They won, won a ring together. Steph and the Warriors, they have four rings. The problem is all of those teams shouldn't be in a position where they're the lower seed playing against the Kings. So I think we're giving them credit off of cachet, but it's like, yo, they've played the same amount of games as the Kings, and the Kings are, you know, at the 70 games, they got 43 wins. The Lakers are highlighting, oh, they were 25 and 30 before the trade deadline. They've been 10 and 6 cents. It's like they're highlighting, they're highlighting the type of numbers that used to be like applause numbers for the Kings, where the Kings are playing like the big dogs. I think sometimes all you need is one high year. And I think just even if it's like one high year where you just believe you got a couple of guys that were, I want to say cast off. You had a couple of journeyman players. You had a couple of guys that were just traded abruptly by the team that drafted them. So you have all these elements. Then you have a guy like Mike Brown. People like essentially wrote Mike Brown off. So he went and sat behind Steve Kerr for a little bit, learned a little bit, got a couple of rings. I mean, so, and then brought that moxie, you know, right, right up the street to Sacramento. He didn't have to leave the area. He knows area well. I think that level of comfort, understanding, okay, what what do players do in their off time here? Because like he was coaching in Golden mm -hmm. State, and we can see with Memphis that control of your team, the team that has a belief. I mean, they scored 176 points against the Clippers, and 
double overtime. That's that's normally a triple overtime score. I mean, so that's double overtime. Yeah, granted, it was 176, 175, but to play that long, to play that consistency, and then De'Aaron Fox hits the shot. You know, the defensive plays. I just think that having that young energy with the veteran coach and then, like, some of your older vets are still pretty young. Harrison Barnes is probably, like, the oldest guy on, on the team. I think they got Matt Dillardov on the squad, but they got Kevin Hewitt used to play in Atlanta. He probably wasn't getting a lot of shine behind Trey Young, but you come out there, yo, spot up and shoot. Malik Monk was in L.A. last year, got a got a taste of, like, the limelight, you know, Shout out to what's, what's boy, your your Wildcat. I just think that sometimes, man, you just need to, you just need a belief. You need to believe in the system, and then they're seeing the results. It's not like oh, we're gonna turn this around, and they're twenty seven and forty three, and it's a better record than previous years. And it's like nah, but these dudes really turned it around. And then you got a star. De'Aaron Fox is a star, and sometimes that's the difference. We know Steph is a star in Golden State. We know what he can do, but. Has their time come to where it's like, listen, these torches, they got to get passed. They got to get passed. I know we everyone's looking at the Lakers at 10, maybe getting up. But if they're at 10, I mean, they're at 10 in March. I mean, like it's a long season to show like, hey, either you are one of these top five teams in your, in your conference or you're not. You don't just sneak in in March. I mean, I don't know how many teams have snuck in. I mean, the plan is rather young. But I don't know how many teams snuck in from nine to seven in previous years and went on a run. I know we got Golden State when they beat Dallas back in the day when the eight beat the one. And then you had Denver, I think, beat Seattle way back in the day when it was like a five-game ser- five game, uh, series in the first round. It was the best of five. But it rarely happens. Teams gel early in the season, and then it pays dividends in these late games where you went 176 to 175. It, it pays when your best player is also young, but he's leading in clutch points. Like, that's when you start all that in October, November, and it builds. These other teams think they can just bring in pieces and just ramp up, i.e. Phoenix end up with Kevin Durant. Like, do you really think that, like, oh, he's going to play three games, miss four to six weeks with an ankle injury? Like, if you miss four to six weeks with an ankle it's like, how bad was that ankle injury? Because like, they haven't really, no one's really talked about it. Everyone just talked about it like, it's like, oh, just kind of laissez-faire. Like, oh, he's, he's going to miss four to six weeks. He's going to be ready for the playoffs. How? I get that these guys are prime athletes, but in the same sense, it's like, how are you just expecting this guy just to just ramp it back up with a new team? Game four of them playing together is game one of their first round of the playoffs. So I think Sacramento's togetherness, the youth, the tenacity, and the fact that people probably weren't believing in them. Like, this is probably the first topic that first time all year the Kings have led a national show. Granted, we're a small national show, but it's probably the first time all year. Well, you know, it's one of those things where if Mike D'Antoni was the Kings coach, I may be able to turn the blind eye to those defensive statistics. But Mike Brown is the coach and defense is his calling card so not only are they within defensive rating like i mentioned they are they give up tons of points in the paint you know they're 28th against giving up points in the paint and as far as the lakers go to your earlier point about you know 10 seed right now all that we also have to factor in that their stars missed a lot of games 
you know, so it's not as if LeBron and AD were together the whole season and this is their record, you know, and, and I mean, they're still sitting out Anthony Davis at this point in the season because they're just trying to keep the bubble wrap on them, you know, but the playoffs, of course, I don't have to tell you the playoffs are a different animal. Like I remember back when LeBron was in Miami, there was a year where the Bulls beat them four times in the regular season. That didn't matter once the playoffs came. So I think that there's something to only the inexperience, but looking at their big man, for example, DeMontis Sabonis has been having an awesome year. He's probably the third best center in the league right now after Embiid and Jokic, whatever order you want to put them in, I'll put Embiid over Jokic, but I'm just saying. But, you know, with that being, but with that being said, there's a certain element here that he's more itched as Embiid because Embiid, I would still fear going to the paint and trying to get to the basket. You know, Jokic, I don't have that fear. And with DeMontes, I don't have that fear. So teams are still going to be able to get to the basket at will against the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, teams throughout NBA history have paid their dues. You know, whether it was Michael Jordan having to go through Boston, having to go through the Pistons. Now, granted, we don't have any of those teams in the West this year, but it's hard for a new Jack to just come through and take over the block right away like that. Yeah, but it's easy for a new Jack if all the old Jacks run around like they need Jacks for spare tires. Because think about it. Every every top team in the West, okay, you got Jokic. Jokic is, you know, MVP front runner, or at least he's second or third. Depends First or second depends on who you talk to. You have LeBron and AD. AD doesn't play back-to-backs. LeBron's coming off injury. They they weren't really playing that great together, just like last year and the previous year. So this idea that they just gel, like they haven't played well in three seasons together when they're healthy. They haven't. So it's like you expect them just to come back from injury, and then AD is still on essentially a pitch pitch count. How you expect them to just gel? And I get LeBron. Like LeBron is, you know, is a is a dominant player, but everybody else's role switches when he comes back. Does he have enough time to figure out? All right, how do I play with D'Angelo Russell? Does the ball move out of his hand when LeBron? Does LeBron keep the ball too long? Does he keep it three or four seconds long in the shot clock than necessary? Who's going to tell him not to? I mean, so it's just like all of those elements. I'm not saying LeBron's going to mess up the flow. But then you have like KD when KD comes back. What does his insertion to the lineup for the Suns do for against Sacramento? Okay, so Aiden, they don't get a ball Aiden on the block at all. It's like probably some lobs, maybe a couple of Chris Paul dishing the ball off. He gets some dunks, but not a lot of stuff goes to the paint. A lot of these guys are shooting mid-race jumpers. So if you want to try to run a sprint with De'Aaron Fox, go ahead. Have at it. Well, I think that's the, well, I think that's the issue, though, because it's not necessarily about those teams. When I say that, I'm looking at things. So when you do have these new Jacks come through and take over the block like that, they usually got a Jason Tatum with them. You know, they usually have a Jimmy Butler with them. Something along those lines, not necessarily a top five superstar per se, but the Kings don't have that at all. So, you know, there's they usually the somebody. I think this they is, do, think but this is coming out moment. I, think I hope so. That's what I'm saying. I hope, I hope you're you right. You have to have that moment. You have You have to. You have to have the regular season to get to 
the postseason. And if you have this kind of regular season when you've never had one before, it's normally a high. You get a guy like Embiid who has dominant regular seasons, Jokic dominant regular seasons. Chris Paul has been great at managing his team in the regular season. That's the, the expectation. So anything that happens in the playoffs, like we talk about this with Steph, him not only having one finals MVP, it's like, well, the year that Iguodala won it, Steph, every, all of his numbers went up, but everyone was expecting him to be like great. And they didn't recognize that his numbers still went up. Whereas the Aaron Fox, like I said, no one's really believing that this team can make any damage. So they're playing with house money. So if they go out in the first round to Golden State, cool. The defended champs got healthy at the right time. They gelled at the right time. The Kings, this wasn't their year. If they go out and they win the first round, it's like, wow, look look, look what they've done now. And they lose in the second round. Yeah, what if they add a piece? Because there's always a guy that feels like they are the, the missing piece, some free agent. So mm-hmm. they come play in Sacramento. So I think this is the year for them to have that because no matter how we want to slice it, a lot of these other stars in the West are over 30. Pretty much all of them. But that goes, but that goes to a bigger point. Some of these dudes, it's their last hurrah. Like, so for example, let's say the Clippers go out in the first round to whoever they play. It doesn't even have to be the Kings, but the Clippers in the first round, you know, is it time to break up Paul George and Kawhi? You know, if Golden State goes out in the first round, is it time for Draymond to go to greener pastures? You know, is it time to move Jordan Poole to a bigger role, even though I feel he's taken a step back this season? You know, so so those are the type of questions that those teams are facing. Like Sacramento has the advantage. I say the advantage of inexperience because they haven't been here before and they don't know what they don't ignorance know. Ignorance is bliss, man. You, ignorance, ignorance is bliss. Is bliss. But, but like you said, you know, but, but like I said, these other teams – are playing with their windows closing. You know what I mean? Not necessarily the Lakers. Let's forget about them for a second. But like I mentioned, the Paul George Kawhi thing, is that experiment over if they go out in the first round this year? You know, is Golden State. No, I know that. that, But that's the point. That's the point. Is this the end? Yeah. Is are we at the end of the road? You know what I mean? That's that's the question. And I think we should be. You know, I think think that kind of pressure, I think that kind of pressure on these teams that haven't succeeded to the level that their free agent signings and the hoopla and the commercials and the shoe deals and all this stuff have had had them ascended to everyone literally he had a commercial saying he was the king of la and hadn't done anything past april since he's got there other than so go do home. you so for what you're saying so from everything that we're talking about right now do you trust sacramento more than you trust denver I say Denver more because Denver is the number one seed. They they have their best player is the catalyst. He sets the table. Like we talked about Jokic's numbers. I think people try to downplay his points because I think he's hitting around 25 points a game. But those 11, 10, 11 assists, that's getting you between 20 and 30 points mm-hmm. on top of his 25. So he's getting you anywhere from 45 to 55 points by just being on the floor. So if the defensive when, uh... rebounding. So I think I think he has a greater impact, and I think the team feeds off of him the same way I think Sacramento feeds off of the youth of their players and the experience of their coach. 
I think Denver feeds off the versatility of their best players. So I think that that one two matchup, if it makes the Western Conference Finals, I think it'd be dope. I think I'm I'm more excited about seeing teams like that perform versus running it back and hoping that these other teams that been throwing these teams together with free agents make it work. So when Ja comes, so when Ja comes, you trust Sacramento more than Memphis? Yeah, because you know, this granted this is all rumor when everything came out. But if you think about the picture that got leaked of John and Strip Club, it's fifty thousand dollars in ones on the floor, no teammates, mm-hmm. no friends, no teammates, just that kind of isolation. I think it might rub people the wrong way. They said a lot of his teammates don't they don't hang out on the road. He's going out with his with his entourage, but not his teammates. It's another thing that I uh, give credit to Colin Cowherd. He he asked this question. I forgot who he was talking to. It was a conversation maybe like three weeks ago. And he said, Golden State's bad on the road. Do you think the punch between Draymond and Jordan Poole in the preseason has kind of ruined the road bonding? Like, do they not hang out? And that's why they don't really, you know, if you're sitting in a hotel hanging out or you're sitting at dinner, you can go over stuff, just have conversations like, yo, listen, on that pick and roll, you could do this. Well, man, that guy can't guard you. And you can just sit there at this table and hype this guy up to the point where you go to the game the next day and he's feeling it. But if you're not, if you don't trust each other, it's different. But on at home, you get the calls at home, you get the momentum at home, you get the crowd at home. I think you can well, kind about of that, uh, Draymond. all of that. What about that Draymond push on Kaminga? <laughs> yes, and that was a shove. I would have thought somebody was trying to punch me too. He <laughs> but no, I do. I do think that having the two seed is important for Sacramento because if you're going to have youth, it's great to have home advantage as well, you know, because really all you have to do is hold serve until you get to the Western Conference finals, you know, and then by then, if you end up matching up with Denver, hope you've learned enough on the road in the first two rounds to play better and potentially beat Denver. But you know, um, if Denver gets knocked out by body, which is not off the table, and you get to the Western Conference Finals, you could end up hosting that at home too. So, so I think the Kings are yeah. a bright a byproduct of the West. You know, so I don't know where to place them just because of how awful the West has been this year. Like I said, them and the Clippers are the only two teams with winning road records. I mean, Denver's eighteen and eighteen, so maybe they win a winning road record once they get their stuff together yeah. to close out the season. But, but you know, so so like. I say I take them seriously just by default, but I think there's a whole lot that is going against them as a team. It's just the fact that no one else is there. Because like even going back to your point, even though you know you brought up the point about teams gelling, so you know even if KD comes back and for whatever reason Phoenix falls to the seven. You know, I don't know if I'm picking Sacramento over Phoenix in a seven game series. You know, we saw, even though it was a very, very, very small sample size, that seems to be what Kevin Durant is into these days. Easy money snipe out, you know, but like, am I I expecting the Kings to beat Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeMontis to stop eating on getting lobs whenever he wants, you know? So, yeah, you should. That's where it's, you know, maybe I should, but I just don't. Maybe I think I, I, just should, don't. I think I think you should because I think the season for the teams out west it's a it's a microcosm of how they approach the regular season. I think a lot of these guys think it's the it's the, the same the old story we all heard it the old fable the tortoise and the hare. 
I think a lot of these teams just over the past few years, some teams have been successful kind of disregarding the regular season. Playing slow, taking nights off. Uh, we're not going to play everybody against Charlotte. Uh, we'll play a couple guys against Detroit. We're not going to play everyone against Houston. You know, these little moves here and there. I don't think Darren Fox is taking nights off the rest. And if you keep the two seed, you're getting a team that played in the play-in. Mm-hmm. So you might get a team that's – you might get the Timberwolves. They knocked the Warriors out. Oh, I'm just picking Sacramento over the Timberwolves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you you know, you get you get the team that goes from nine to, to seven. Right now you got the Thunder at eight. That's in the play-in. Mm-hmm. So you got the Thunder, Lakers. I mean, like, we want – I want to believe in the Lakers because they have LeBron – they have AD, but if they have an off night, if AD gets 12 points and six rebounds one night and SGA goes off for 38 and they lose. Hey, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, <coughs> you know, we we were talking about give me my warrior son matchup, KD against the Wolves. I, from Kentucky standpoint, I would love Sacramento against OKC, De'Aaron Fox against SGA. Sign me up today. I'm picking Sacramento in that series, but I'm just saying sign up. But you know, but, but, but get, I think you get your cat. You can get you can get Timberwolves up to seven. You get your Carl Anthony Towns versus De'Aaron Fox. They'll have no, John I'm Calipari sitting courtside. I'm good uh, on Carl Anthony great. Towns. Minnesota can move listen, on for him from him for all I care. Listen, so I said I think the West. I know we just we're we're in the era of the NCAA tournament, and you know, like I picked a lot of chalk games. I picked two over seven. I picked the three over the fourteen. I did all of that. Furman, baby, it surprises you. It surprises you. Oh my god, I can't believe through the ball away like that. But it surprises you. But in the NBA, the two seed is a two seed for a reason. Because we remember this a couple years ago. Lakers were seven seed. Phoenix was two. I think the Lakers went up 2-1 on Phoenix. And LeBron was out there front running. That's my dude. But when he when he when he's on, he was doing like the thing, and everybody on the sideline was doing a little pump fake. And then end up losing the series. And then Booker was talking cash trash to him. And then Crowder was doing a little thing. You it just it's a reason one team is a two seed. Another team's a seven. No matter who you have on there, if you have better players historically and you're still the seven seed, that means the team that's at two is that much better than you. And I know it's only like a five game gap, six game gap, but that's huge. That's huge mm-hmm. at this point of the year. Yeah, what would that gap up. be if everybody played? You never know. You know if no, every, man. Like, Granted, if this was like a video game, 2K, everybody was healthy, of course, I'm, I have the Lakers up top. I'd have KD still would be in Brooklyn. I mean, like, it would all make sense. But when all these trades happen, all these moves happen, mm-hmm. the teams that stayed pat, that had it all locked in, were already locked in. So like I'm, a, said, I'm afraid that I'm afraid that Sabonis is going to become Jokic in that teams are going to target him and he's just going to end up in a lot of foul trouble. That's the, that's the main concern that I have. Like, because I, I know Malik Monk is going to give you uh 
three for 13, but I also know that there's going to be a nine for 12 in there somewhere as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so, so from that standpoint, from that standpoint, I support the Kings, even though I don't necessarily think that they're going to make the Western conference finals or anything like that. I think they'll have a good showing and I'm pulling for them. I would love to see the Kings in the Western conference finals and heck even make the NBA finals. I'm all, I think the NBA, like, you know, we do the whole thing where it's like, if the Knicks are good, that's good for the sport. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. <laughs> I think a team like Sacramento finals would be good for the NBA. Maybe not from a rating standpoint, because you're going to have your superstar snobs that don't want anything to do with Sacramento in the finals. But I think it would be great because throughout the history of the NBA, all we've seen is the same teams dominate for a decade or during a decade. So it would be nice to see some new blood in but. You know, so with that being said, you know, let's wrap that one up and let's get to Dame Lillard because, you know, I this is an interview with J.J. Reddick, you know, talking about the championships and how everybody's put the championship or bust mentality out in the universe. But with that being said, is Portland wasting Damien's prime? Absolutely. It's bad. It's bad how poorly they – I think NBA has a blueprint. I think they have a simple blueprint. You match a coach with the player, your best player style, and then you build around that. You marry the two of those pieces, and you can win for years. We've seen it with – Phil Jackson has 11 rings – because you had Jordan, Phil, you got Pippen in to, to you just built your team around needs and what people did very, very, very well from their position. Pippen didn't score a lot of points. I think his career average is somewhere around like 17, 9, 18, 9, somewhere in that range. But he defended the other team's best player. He was the original wing player, the guy that people want Kawhi and Paul George on his other 6'9 wing defenders to be, he was out there handling the other team's best guard. And back in the, back in the 90s, most of your best guards were like 6'4", 6'5". Jordan's only 6'6". So even in, I think, a matchup Pippen versus Jordan, I think Pippen would have been the guy guarding Jordan. So you, you marry the coach with your best player, and then you build around that. They could never get that piece right. You have a small guard, Steph, you know, like Steph Curry, Dame, Trey Young. You have you have a blueprint of what works and what doesn't. And I don't think Portland ever really bought into let's look around and see, okay, what is everybody else doing who has small guards that's winning? What it like what did Golden State do? Yes, they drafted well. Draymond turned out to be such a Swiss Army knife. Clay Thompson is shooting is so pure, but they had the guys that came off the bench shot the three just as well as Stephen Clay did. So when they brought Barbosa and Harrison Barnes and, and guys like that, and their free agents did the same thing. It's like, listen, I'm gonna bring in a guy. If I lose CJ McCollum, I need to bring in a guy who could do as CJ did. They traded guys away who can't do what CJ did, and then trade that guy away for a guy who can't do what the guy they traded CJ away to do. And then it just goes downhill. Dame's out here dropping 71 points, 
but they they needed all seventy one of those points against Houston. He's getting he's getting on TV, and I get that people don't like the statement. I heard Skip Bailey say you don't like it because it's, everybody can't win a championship, and I understand that. I'm not saying that his prime he should have won a championship, but the team should have looked at some point two or three years like you can win something. Like right now, the way we're talking about Sacramento, they look like, hey, they might be able to make some pop. You got to have a team that looks like that every once in a while. You can't always be 13th in the West. You can't always have him be the guy that's getting interviewed about not winning a championship. Because, like, everyone sees the talent. You see he came from a small school, still got drafted in the top 10. Like it's, I think he's probably 6'2", 6'3". But in that game where he scored 71 points, he was like, listen, he had he got a dunk. It wasn't just all threes. It's just he plays around the rim. He's ended two playoff series with three-pointers, walk-off three-pointers. Those should be highlights of his career packaged around a championship run, at least one or two. Everybody's not going to get a run. But his talent and the way the NBA works right now, the way it looks, the way you can build a team, you had the piece. You have the piece there. It's like you got to put the other appropriate chess pieces around and move them accordingly. They out there on the chessboard with checker pieces wonder why things not working out. So, like I said, with this comment, this comment on J.J. Reddick's podcast, it makes a lot of sense. We talk, Me and you talked about this for years. The media has bestowed a championship or bust, and you can't leverage that on multiple players. Like one pundit, Stephen A. Smith, Chris Broussard, Nick Wright, whoever the case may be, you can't be like, oh, this is championship or bust for Boston, and then say the same thing about Jokic for the MVP. It's like, what is it? Is it championship or bust for everybody, or is it just, hey, this is how far your team is going to go? Teams don't surprise you and win championships. It rarely happens. The Giants, yeah, they might have the football wise, they surprised the Patriots, but they had a mean pass rush. We saw it. If the pass rush gets to the opposing quarterback, you can win a football game. That wasn't a surprise. They both were in the Super Bowl. They went on a nice run. But in basketball, it's like it's pretty simple. If you don't have a star, you're probably going to lose. And if you don't build around your star that you have, it's going to look even worse. Because you won't be able to keep players because you're not going to have a philosophy to follow. You're going to end up trading players away, i.e. trading Josh Hart when they're warming up. The guy you traded CJ McCollum to get. So I think Portland's wasting his prime. I don't think a championship was necessary, but I do think that you had the you had pieces in place where you can make you can make an impressive run for you know a few years. Well, I think what I've always been confused about is why don't free agents want to go there? The same thing, you know, we talked about before, like the year Mello went to the Rockets and, you know, got kicked out the league, essentially. You know, why didn't Portland grab him that season? You know, they needed another tour. You know, Portland did make a Western Conference Finals, you know, and it was one of those years like this year where we were talking about with the Kings where the West just wasn't. Somebody had to get there. They got there. But they didn't build upon that. You know, and the Trailblazers are a proud franchise. So you have like the Spurs, the Spurs, and the Jazz in that like 
before the Spurs started winning titles, they were all in that little tier of they're always solid, always consistent. They just, for whatever reason, couldn't put it together. But won a championship with Bill Walton. You know, Portland came through the years and made two NBA final Clyde Drexler. So, you know, so we've seen Portland able to do these things before, and I just don't understand why no one wants to go there. And, you know, that's what makes me scared about Sacramento as well, where you're like, they're one piece of, and I'm like, what's that piece though? Like they might have to make a trade. They might have to draft somebody and just hit it because I don't think anybody's necessarily going to willingly go there on their own. But, you know, but yes, Portland has absolutely wasted Dame Lillard's prime because for one, they they put them in a backcourt with CJ McCollum for a lot of years. And I like both of them, but you just can't win like that. I mean, we saw, you know, what was Golden State supposed to do? Like Steph and Monte Ellis together? You know, these small backcourts just don't work in that way to bring you the ultimate success. So I think Portland should have traded say, maybe a few years earlier and got a wing. You know, maybe they could have got somebody like, not even in a trade per se, but they could have courted like Iggy Dollar before he went to Golden State. That might have helped out a little bit somewhat. Because right now they went and overpaid for Jeremy Grant. You know, and what does that do? You know, even when they had Josh Hart, I love Josh Hart. I was a Josh Hart stand when he was at Villanova. But Josh Hart at Villanova greater than NBA Josh Hart. So, you know, I don't know what the, what the end game was. You know, like this year they drafted Shaden Sharp, you know, who didn't even play a game college basketball. You know, he could jump out the gym apparently and he could shoot the lights out. But nobody saw him do it on tape since high school. And, you know, that's who they drafted at number six or number seven. So, that's like, realistically, I know. And realistically, realistically, I don't want to do the hyperbole, but, you know, they've been committing malpractice. You know, like Dame Lillard has every right at this point to walk into the office and say, it's time. It's just time. And then, lo and behold, you don't get the good players. So what do you do? And I don't mean no disrespect at all when I say this. But then you go, Chauncey Billups is the coach, you know, who had, you know, no head coaching experience or, you know. So if you're going to have that type of talent gap where you're just relying on Dame, you at least got to have a coach that can scheme something, you know, that because they don't even have players that they just picked up Matisse Thibault. You know, but they don't have players that can even go out and lock down the other team's best player. So I don't know what their strategy is. It's just like, hey, Dame, they don't have you one. Go abs- you want to go average 30 this year? Go do it, man. It's your world. He's averaging like 40 at home in their last like eight home games. It's pretty ridiculous. It's just a fact, like I said, I think we operate under this impression that, oh, you're hired as a GM or you're hired as a team president that you know what you're doing and that you know how to strategize and you know how to build a team. It's not something that everybody has. You can learn it in management courses. You can learn it in business school. You can have the degrees. But if you aren't intrinsically good at galvanizing people and building a team, then you're going to reach. You're going to reach on your coach. You're going to reach on a trade. You're going to reach on a draft pick. Occasionally, you will hit. We all know it's not an exact science. Many GMs. Bill Belichick's not a good GM. He His draft picks haven't really panned out. But mm-hmm. as a tactician, as a strategist, defensively, he has it on lock. 
he has that defensive strategy to the point where he can take an average guy and put him in a position where he can play, make extraordinary plays. Maybe not for years, but the Malcolm Butler interception, like I said, we've gone back and forth, but you put guys in position, even if you're not good at team building, be good at something. And with Portland, it just seems like they're not good at anything as, as in the realms of support around their star player who has expressed multiple times on multiple platforms for the last three or four years that I'm staying. So essentially they give him this contract and people, we, like I said, we talked about this earlier. What he said after the game, he was like, yeah, we're basically out of the play in. And people always want to knock players for giving an honest answer, but then get upset with them when you ask a question and you don't, and you don't get an honest, honest answer. So it's like, why don't you just take, take what he, for what he said? He was like, listen, we're fighting for a play in spot. It's like, at what point do I just say, you know what? I'm just out here playing. I'm just out here hooping. I'm at some fun with my friends and we're going to hang out in Portland. I'm going to go to my car dealerships. I'm going to go do my charity work that he's been doing in Portland and Oakland and just realize like, yo, the team isn't going anywhere. And people say as a competitor, you should I'm like, no, listen, if the score is, if, if the score is 110 to 77 and you got two minutes left, you're not winning that game. There's hey, nothing wrong. So you know what? Take me out. I'm not. You you're know not what? dropping. You get, you you're get, not dropping 27 points in two minutes. Even if they gave, even if they kept, unless they kept throwing you the ball on purpose off the inbounds, you just put up threes. Then maybe you'll, you'll, you're not making a 27 point comeback. So it's like you're not making see, a two where three game comeback. That's that's where I differ. You know, because right now they're three games behind the Pelicans for that last spot. You know, with about 12 games left. You know. You love the game of basketball. Ball is life. You're getting paid multi-millions of dollars. Those fans are still coming out here to see you. Get your ass out on the court. You know, like oh, granted, he said he's gonna play. You know, if, if <laughs> he if, said he's gonna if, play, you know, it's just a matter of like how how hard do you play? You still play hard because those people are paying play. their money to come see you. So you still give maximum effort. Sure. Like I don't the buy owner any can of sell that, the team for you know? five billion. So somebody need to tell the owner you need to hire some people who know the hell they're doing because that dude this is, is getting a lot more money. He's getting a lot more of a cut than that fan money. If a fan buy a ticket for a hundred dollars, yeah, Dane might be getting three. The owner is yeah. getting sixty three. Like. So yeah, that dude. But, but, but turning around also, yelling at that guy in the office like, yo. Get somebody out here. Don't be yelling at the dude on hey, the floor. Hey, but I told you seventy-five cent of your two hundred dollars. I told you, I told you about my federal bet. So I ain't got no sympathy when they had nine days off and then he sat out because, or I, I, the team sat him out. The rest because no they got on plane, plane thing was, was garbage. Yeah. yeah. So so so, so like Dame Lillard. So Dame <laughs> Lillard has missed. Dame Lillard has missed fourteen games this year. You know, some of that was, you know, injury related. Some of that was not injury related. So if you're going to miss these games, then I don't want to hear about, oh, how hard do I got to play? Or like we're in the last games of the season. Like, because maybe if you wouldn't have had load managed, maybe you wouldn't be three games behind the Pelicans. Maybe you'd be with them. Maybe you'd be in front of them, you know, so you can't have it both ways. Like it can't be we're going to load manage and well, how do I get fired up for this? Like you had your chance to be fired up and you chose or the team chose for you to sit on the bench or take a day off or whatever the case. Once you do that, 
you lose the benefit of the argument in my eyes. So, you know, you could have an argument if you played all out and you're like, yo, we just don't got the team to do it. I'm deflated, you know, but fans piss me off too. Because when, you know, these players move around, you know, KD, LeBron, whoever it might be, they say, oh, I miss the days where a player just played for one team throughout his career. And all I've heard for the last three weeks is, Dave got to ask out of there. You got to get out of there. Yeah, he better. So what do you want? Do you want loyalty or do you or do you not want loyalty? If, If you don't know what you want, then shut up and stop talking. Like, like I said, we, we've talked about this before. Fans like they like for you to appear like you got out of the mud because that's how everyone views themselves. People don't view themselves as success stories. I, I saw something earlier today. Neil deGrasse Tyson said he was like, there's way more people who weren't born than the people who were born. He was like, so the fact that you are like alive and breathing and walking around is like like a miraculous thing. So you should view yourself as that. But I think a lot of people view themselves as like grinders and strugglers and they got out the mud and they didn't have this growing up. And then when you get a guy who just dr- gets dropped into whatever league that he's in, you know, you get your Bryce Harpers, you get your Sidney Crosby's, your, your Mahomes, your Tom Brady's, your LeBron's, your Dames, these guys get these big contracts. And you think like, oh man, these guys don't work hard. They make all this money. But then you get a guy that like, you know, like Peyton Manning, he struggled for all those years. People love him because they they, they feel like it emulates their struggles. Like, oh, he got out of the mud just like me. And that's why fans are so wishy-washy on what they want. They look at Dame as one of those lunch pail, blue collar grinders, all the all the adjectives you can apply to someone they, that they deem works hard and is not getting the results. So I think people like that. If LeBron was in Portland and they were in 13, no one would be like, man, LeBron's got to get out of there so he can win a championship. No one would care. (laughs) If KD got traded to Portland and then Dame said, I'm out, and he was out there by himself, no one would care. You know, but Luka and Dallas, people want Luka to win because I think people like the fact that that Luka looks like a grinder. You know, he's not chiseled. He looks like he looks like your average tall dude at the park that just plays basketball well. Yeah, little dope. That's what fans. I think fans kind of get that misconstrued. Like, yo, listen, if you just keep your standards simple, I personally don't think every season's championship or bust. I just think like well, if you are one of the elite players at some point in your career for a section of it, a good section of it, you need to be competing for championships to validate your, your long-term success. Because that's what Dan, Dan was talking about. You know, I love to play ball at the end of my career. If I don't have a championship, you're going to be like, oh, you're not going to validate my career, all the stuff that I've done and everything else. And I understand that piece because that's that's the bulk of the work. That's 82 games, you know, 82 but games. But what has he done? But that's the thing. Like, okay, so when he when he made it to the playoffs, okay, for, he, can't, he can't be first team All-NBA because he plays out West. It's just too many guys, guys that people like more and teams that are better constructed. He's going to lose first team All-Pro to Steph for six years in a row. He's not going to beat him out. And then the, the next hot guy out West, you have, let me think, who else would be first team all? I think he might be third. I think he got like third team all pro. And then you get something simple as like a guy like Kyrie gets traded from the East to the West. He's doing, he's killing the East. And halfway through the but season, he's traded and, to the and, West. And I think now I get knocked down a notch. It's like, 
I'm still and, and I think, and I think that's the point. The I'm the top four point guard. I'm the top four guard in the NBA of 400 players. I'm four. I'm four or five. That's not a slouching you know, career. I think that's the point. I was watching first take a few years ago, and they were talking about some big game that LeBron had. And Stephen A's response was like, don't talk to me about what he does in November. Like, it's all about June with LeBron James, you know? So, and that's the thing, right? Championship or bust. But, but there is a certain reality there. So when you have a player like, say, Jason Tatum, I'm going to just keep picking on Jason Tatum because I don't know if he better than You, you tend to do that a lot. You but, do that but, a lot, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. I like Jason Tatum, though. That's the thing, you know, because everybody, you know, he's the, he's the mom mentality. I'm holding down a bull. He's the, he's the mama mentality guy. You know, he's texting Kobe, you know, even, you know, rest in peace. Kobe ain't here. He's texting Kobe. You know, everything he do has some semblance of, I'm doing this for Kobe. I don't want to let Nas down, you know. But so when he does this, you know what I mean? You're, put, you're adding that pressure to yourself because you're becoming the Mamba. So, like, it's easy to say, you know what, Jason Tatum, you got to go win a championship because if you want us to you like Kobe, you got to do Kobe-type things. If I'm but looking, if thing, I'm looking at... But, like, but how, is that, how is that realistic? Mathematically... It's I know, just hold one. on. Just stay with me for a second. Stay with me for a second. Okay. No, just stay with me for a second. So, so, so you know what I mean? So, so then, like, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you know, like, obviously injuries have played a big role in his career. He has uh, two championships, so you know what I mean. So, like, if you so if you come out to Kawhi and you're like, "Look, Kawhi, you all George been together for X amount of years or whatever. It's time to get this done because he specifically handpicked Paul George to be his running mate." You know, but if you tell me, "Hey, Kyrie went to Dallas and now it's championship or bust," I'm gonna look at you and say. When was Kyrie ever a top five player in the league, top 10 player in the league? So that championship of bus stuff only matters for me to the high echelon of players. Dame Lillard is not in that category from the standpoint of he is a great player, but I've never looked at Dame Lillard and thought he was a top three or top four player. Because his teams are his teams are terrible. If you no, flip, no, I get if, that. I get if that. If you flip, if you flip the records, that's the thing. It's like, okay. This is an argument that we have in basketball that we don't have in baseball. A basketball player, yes, you can play defense and you can play offense, but it's still the individual basketball player stats the same way. If we viewed them the same way we view baseball player stats, then it wouldn't be, oh, you didn't do this for your team. You can't do everything, even if you're good defensively. Giannis is good defensively. He's great, was great defensively and offensively. He's an anomaly. Most guys aren't great. LeBron used to be great on both ends. Now he's got a little older. Now he's he's great offensively, and then he's he's smart defensively. So he he times his energy. He'll make a timely block or try to get a steal or something like that. But it's not if the records were different, if Sacramento was seven. And Portland was two with Dame's same stats, but somebody else dropped 16 and somebody else can drop 12, and then their center can stay healthy. Now their record's different. Does that make his his individual performance different? That's the issue is that the fact that his individual performance and the opportunity that he has had because he knocked James Harden out of the playoffs 
and he knocked Russ and Paul George out with the shot in front of Paul George. And the Paul George goes from half game. <laughs> from half court. It's a bad shot. It's a bad shot. Well, Dane was like, listen, if he looked up at the clock and saw it was four seconds, he should have started coming out. He didn't. So it's like it's a bad I, shot I if Paul George would have took that shot. <laughs> it was it, it was ball, a ballsy shot. I give him that. It was a it was a great shot because it went in. Yes, I get that. Where you no, results. But no, but what to, I'm to saying is like like people are well, already if asking you, if you, questions. It, like people are already asking questions. Like, is Giannis better than Tim Duncan? You know, people are saying like, is Luca the next LeBron? So, so there comes a point where. And this is all narrative. This is not me talking. This is just narrative. But there comes a I point that where word. I hate that word so I much. Know. It, I hate it, or rhetoric. It's not, rhetoric. Not, you, that's the way, not the way you use it, but the fact that like everybody uses it now. Yeah. It's really well, let's go with rhetoric. Let's go with rhetoric. Narrative like that is a synonym anyway. for stuff that the media made up. That's what it is. So right. I'm gonna stop right. Saying and that's narrative. what I'm saying. I'm gonna start so saying. So the stuff that the media made up means that he has to do this. That's all it really exactly. comes down to because exactly. statistically, but that's where the champion. If you look at it, it's like the same thing. That's where what the championship the media made up. comes from. You know, so so like I said, but when you're making these comparisons, or like I said in Jason Tatum's case, he's doing it himself, or Kyrie was doing it himself because he invoked Kobe in all his interviews, and this is why I'm the way them because Kobe this and Kobe taught me that. So once you say that, and I'm not saying that it's right, I'm not saying that it's right, but people gravitate towards that and go, oh, you're a Kobe disciple. So therefore, you have the onus on you to win championships. But, yeah, but that's not Carter realistic. Jordan, but no one said that he had to win championships. Because Vince Carter was, Vince, was never, you know, Vince Carter was because, one of those dudes because that- Because stuff you know, that the was, media made up. Vince Carter was that Rashid Wallace dude. Vince Carter was that Rashid Wallace dude where my memories and thoughts of you are better than what you produced. Rashid Wallace has a ring. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like the ring is a team award. And yes, yes, if if you like, for instance, if you put Dame on Golden State and Steph in Portland. I think Golden State can have similar success because they play the same way. Except one guy plays in Portland, and whoever their GM is or whoever their coach is hasn't been as consistent as Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr has been there since Mark Jackson got fired. And then the 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 core of the team, the 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 personality of the team, the ethics, the mantra, the mission statement of the team. Stayed in place when he was injured. He had his bad back. And Luke Walton, I think he coached him. I think they were like tw- either 27 and three or 24 and three. Oh, they were, no, they were like 39 and three. Like it was crazy. When, when Walt, okay. So yeah, then Steve yeah. comes back and then, you know, the you know, rest is history. But because that's because they had a team that was built around, we're going to follow this mantra. And I think that the championship or bus makes it seem like a guy hasn't done anything if he hasn't won a championship meanwhile like i said he has two playoff series ending buzzer beaters he took portland to the western conference finals he has a 71 point game he has a ton of 60 point games Mm -hmm. he's an undersized guard per the league standards not many guys are even like close to his height so i think he's done enough as an individual if you look at his points he's probably somewhere around twenty thousand points somewhere in that that general range he's a top 75 in you know 
top 75 all well, that's, time. Well, that's why, all these, that's, why all these, that's why all these things that the media say, yeah, you know, bro. doesn't make sense. Because in the same breath, they'll like you'll have people like Nick Wright or whoever, or, you know, they start asking questions like, how is Joker to be the MVP if he can't make the finals? And I'm stepping back and saying, and this is not a knock because, like you said, it's a team sport, but it's a fact. MB hasn't even made a conference final. You know, that's not an insult. It's just a fact of life. Shout out to LA Knight. But I'm just, but, 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 yeah. that, but that's where we pick and choose. That's the issue. Picking, we don't have this criteria that we say, this is what my MVP is. Cause I was, we were watching Nick Wright. Because we're, uh, we're not operating through truth. We're operating through stuff that people made up. And they're argue, you're arguing against something that somebody made up. So when you present right, it with facts right. and you hit it with facts and you and you either force to qualify and quantify your statement, you can't. Well, well, that's why we were watching the video with Nick Wright and Chris Mannix talking about um, Jokic winning three straight MVPs and all that kind of stuff like that. And Nick Wright kept saying, I don't know what the criteria for MVP is. And that's the problem. There can't be a criteria because we all value different things. So, you know, you can't have there's not two people that are going to think the exact same thing. Like, even if y'all agree yeah. on main bullet points, there's still like when we talked about MVP, you know, like I thought that Embiid was, I, I thought at the time Tatum was MVP. So here I go picking on him again. And then they've yeah. since fallen off. But Embiid to me was ahead of Jokic from the standpoint of what I was seeing. But my deal breaker was Embiid missed two games for me. Whereas that didn't necessarily matter to you in the same way. So there is no criteria for MVP. That was this year you or last as, year? That was this year. Like you as an MVP. Well, you know, last year I didn't have a problem with Jokic winning the MVP. You know, I I, 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 could, I wouldn't have had a problem if Embiid won it. But I don't think Embiid was necessarily robbed. I think they both deserve MVP and one person got it. Yeah. Like I said, like you said, there's no criteria for it. There's just these these preseason expectations and then there's season long things that the media makes up as their ulterior, excuse me, ulterior expectations. But none of it, like you, you can't, you have to be able to apply your logic across all of these players and right. you can't use playoff success for a regular season right. award you have to you have to confine your argument. You have to divorce yourself from being emotional and just have a conversation about like, okay, I think Embiid is MVP because mm -hmm. not because I think Jokic can't do something. It's like, okay, this is what Embiid has done, and this is why I think he's MVP. And the back back with Dame, I think he's being honest. I think people don't people want honest at answers out of athletes. And you have to look at it. like sometimes you know I'm gonna shout out uh, Van Wilder's pops. Well, there's like sometimes you got to recognize a bad investment and no one to cut your losses. This year might be a bad energy investment for that team. Mm -hmm. We don't know because mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he's a loyal guy, Oakland guy. He's not going to just be like, oh, I talked to ownership and they said this or I don't like Chauncey Billups. I don't think he's going to come out and say that, but I think he's going to look around like James Harden said it in a interview. He was when he was trying to get his way out of Houston. I don't think we had the talent to win here just to try to force his way out. He showed up out of shape, forced his way out, and then everyone just kind of forgave him because they thought he was going to win a championship. So he was immediately forgiven for quitting on his team, and then they had him in the MVP race. 
because and oh by they, the way they, they're the two seed right now so and and that's what they they did that because they wanted they wanted the story to fit where James Harden, KD and Kyrie matched up with AD and LeBron and in the finals and it was going to be like this great thing we're going to fly to Brooklyn for game 1 and 2 and then we're going to fly to LA like everyone had the whole map in their their time uh-huh. time like oh June in in New York and June like and that's the problem when it didn't happen so like I said Dame they are wasting his talent um I hope he stays because I, I do like I like the parody like I said I don't believe everything's championship or bust but you know Championship of bus, you got a guy like uh you no know, the flat earther. He what he, what he's talking about, you know. I'm in Dallas hey, now. Hey, watch your mouth when you talk about favorite player. Listen, I like Kyrie a lot. I just think that back to the same championship argument, I think the media leverages these expectations on certain players knowing that just schematically it's not likely he's he went from brooklyn to dallas where he didn't i don't know if he wanted to go there or not no he never said any reports openly he could have got traded to la then brooklyn then traded kd to the suns who reportedly, rumor has it, in the preseason was on his short list of teams. And everyone, you know, just kind of forgot that this guy wanted to join another number one team. And I get it. You know, sometimes you just want to win because it's probably a lot of pressure to be in that position. I know the money that these guys get is crazy. I think Kyrie's deal this year is something like $36 million or $37 million. I've done some of the math. You got to think about it. They play a 48-minute game. These guys are getting like $82,000 a game. And if you break it down by like minute seconds, it's just like, it's a crazy number to think like they're getting a lot of people's annual salary in a 48 minute game. And I think the media and just, just that, the, that, just that gall that people just come at these guys with is probably a lot. And I think they probably look, you know, like, you know what? If I win a championship, that's my middle finger to everybody that's clowning on me. That's everybody that's hit me on Twitter if I win a championship. Because I don't think they care who they play with. Like, they can bring Jordan and Barkley back if they can if they can win a championship with them. I don't think anybody would be like, I don't want this guy on my team. If they think, if they think you can help them win, you're going to win. So I think Kyrie going to Dallas – it's a gamble. I don't know if it was a wise gamble by Dallas because I don't think you got enough in return to mask what you already didn't do well. So I don't think it's going to end well for them going forward. Yeah, so so looking through a crystal ball, what happens to them in the playoffs and where does he end up next year? So if it's like I says, if it holds firm, the matchup of Memphis and Dallas. I want to, 
I wanted like the same way I gave Sacramento credit for being a top team in their conference. I think if Jai gets back, I think they can gel. I think they could gel enough considering like, I think last year job missed like 22 games. They were like 20 and two in those games that he missed. So I think the mm-hmm. coach is doing a good job. I think all of this turmoil happening now in March, when you have a lead that you have, cause they're not fighting for position. You know, they're five games up on Phoenix. So even if after suspension and, and the, the personality conflicts and then the strip clubs and the flights and all this other stuff that has to go on, I think they have enough time if people are mature enough. I know that the rumor is that they're not really mature in Memphis. If they're mature enough and the coach can get them to galvanize this around, hey, everyone's doubting us, I think they'll take care of Dallas in the first round. And because Kyrie didn't sign a long-term deal, if he doesn't average like 28, eight and six, it might be a situation where teams are really going to lowball him. You know, teams like, I mean, maybe the Lakers will be in pursuit. Maybe Dallas offers them a two year, $62 million deal with an option for a third. Maybe a team like new Orleans tries, you know, see if they can clear up some cap space and bring them in. Cause they don't have any buzz. Maybe Houston tries to do something, you know, just try to get creative because their arena's empty when they play their games. I think it's going to be a situation where he's going to get a big deal. Cause I think the NBA, the NBA players association kind of set it up to where when you're in a certain part of your career, a certain kind of contract, I think people are going to offer him like a big deal, but it won't be long-term. It'll be, I think it will be a two year with a, team option for a third around what he's getting now 36 million maybe 30 31 somewhere in that range because i don't think a lot of people want to come running especially if they go out in the first round because everyone's gonna look at it like oh you should have been better for luca because we like luca based off the stuff that the media made up luca should have got further in the playoffs but they added you and he went on the first round last year he beat phoenix and was in the western conference finals and then you come to the team you're they're sub 500 since he's gotten there him and luca playing together at sub 500 and then memphis a team that's considered immature and can't get right and their stars getting suspended and you know dylan brooks your favorite player is out here acting like the light-skinned draymond green so it's like if you get if you can't get out of the first round with luca it's gonna all fall on him and i don't know if the Dallas media and fans are going to want him back. And if he's going to end up somewhere like, I mean, maybe Miami does something crazy where they try to make space for him just to be a draw. But I don't, I don't think he ends up on a contender. All right. And so, I like um, so I wrote down six teams. Some All of these right. probably aren't, some of these probably aren't realistic. I just wrote down some stuff, you know, that came to my mind. So, so the first team I wrote down, get ready for it. The, the Knicks, you know, uh, he was I was thinking to go about there. that. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe the Knicks because I think we're at the point, depending on how this season finishes up, you, you know, I think the Knicks have good players. But I don't know if it all mixes to become a contender. You know, like, I'm not sure if Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are like 
the combination that you need to get over the hump. You know, so, so what do you see, do with Jalen Brunson? He comes off the bench as the sixth man. He's getting paid like I know the six riches man. That's yeah, <laughs> true. That's um, I was thinking because I've been hearing noise, I don't necessarily believe it. But if James Harden happens to leave Philly, you know, after this season, maybe you could put him in Philly with Embiid. You know, um, that gives Embiid another scorer that can take some pressure off of him. Doesn't necessarily buy the passing that uh, James Harden does. I don't know if I necessarily like Kyrie and Maxi on the floor at the same time for a lot of minutes, but I think him and Embiid are a good fit together. I was thinking about what we said earlier. I brought up, is this the end for Paul George and Kawhi? Is not. Then, you know, Russ's contract comes off the books. Maybe you bring Kyrie there and you have your mini big three. You know, that could be a good fit. You know, we'll Their see. Their owner has the disposable cash. Yep. And then, of course, there's their, the Lakers. He has real money. Lakers. And of course, there's the Lakers because, you know, him and LeBron, that old thing back, they've been flirting with each other. Get a room already. We feel the tension, you know, but is pride going to get in the way? Yeah. I was thinking that depending on how this season ends up, could Denver be an option? You know, could they split up Jokic and Murray and have Irie go there and take over for Murray? And then the last team that I really, really like, like you said, I don't know if they're going to, if he's going to end up in tender per se, but maybe I'd like to see him in Chicago. You know, you know, you got Lonzo probably, two years away from playing again. You know, uh, you got DeMar DeRozan, DeFraud DeFrozen. You know, you got Vucicic. You know. The so players, you, you, you know, like, it's so funny. It's so funny, like, the players that you just, like, just aren't on your list of faves. And it's funny when it comes out because you don't say – Mike doesn't say anything ill about anybody or anything, any situation – but it's like a few players every once in a while he has like one of these Skip Bayless level nicknames for. And it's just when it comes out, it's like because he comes over with a new one like every the, week. I respect the hell out of DeMar DeRozan. You know, I really do. You know what I mean? But I just, you know, Laker fans like going a little thick when it comes to him, you know, but but I like the Bulls. They wanted you know, yeah, they wanted him. So they, they lie. You know, so like I wanted uh, so I think the Bulls are a good fit. You know, uh, they got Patrick Beverly right now, but whatever. They've been playing a lot better with him. And next year it might come time to move on from Levine as well. So, you know, so Kyrie and DeRozan, I was going to say the Wizards, but I don't trust them to do anything. So them out of this. But, but you know, so those are the, a couple of teams that I could see Kyrie ending up with. I think I like the Bulls the best. I think I see the Clippers doing it just as a desperation heave at trying to get a title, you know, one last year or one, two last years or whatever. The Lakers, just because of LeBron and getting that old thing back, you know, his first love, if you will, you know, and then uh, Philly is is a crap shot. Like like I said, that's just if Harden doesn't come back because obviously Harden don't necessarily see eye to eye. Harden and Houston you, makes zero sense, though. It makes zero sense. But if Philly, and everybody for whatever get the number reason, one pick. Well, as of today is the two seed. So everything stays in place. They get home court against the Celtics. If they lose that series, if they lose another series to the Celtics, 
I could I could see Harden being like, this ain't what I thought it was, or you know, nobody's coming with the bag. Philly tries to give him a shorter term deal, and somebody else comes through with a with the extra years. I could see him potentially leaving. It damn sure ain't gonna be Houston, you know. And and Yo, I don't want Kyrie to leave. James Harden is no more impactful than like Zach Levine in Chicago. They just keep putting them on contenders and hoping you're gonna get that Houston James Harden. And it's evident he hit a wall two years ago. And him going back to Houston would just be a bad move. Well, the good news is is that James Harden started out as a point guard. Yeah, but so so you don't have to worry about that transition. No, no, I know, but you don't have to worry about that transition. Like with Russ, you had to worry because well, because Russ for some reason just stopped shooting well it's weird yeah but i just mean like he the, had the, the game transition that he broke to come off the bench and yeah so, so, so we didn't know I how he James was going to react to that yeah and i think i think he did a, i think he did a great job you know playing with kd and Kyrie. but even then he was unhappy and then went to philly it's just that i didn't see philly as a championship contender after he got there so i don't know what he saw before he left it's the same way with Kyrie. It's like, I don't know where you can go other than the Lakers on one of these deals that, like, Golden State was signing when all of those guys were due for money. Like, I think Clay got a four-year deal. I think KD took a two with a player option. And then his second year, then Steph got a four. And then Draymond got like a three in the middle. Like somehow, and you, we talk about the luxury tax and everything else that they have to pay. So unless you can get to L.A., the Lakers, on a three-year deal, like I said, third year being a team or player option for somewhere in the range of what you're getting now, $37 because I'm pretty sure whatever he, if L.A. courts him, he's going to ask for the most he thinks he can get because that means – he's getting support from LeBron on the inside. So if LA calls, then that means LeBron has talked to the front office. So he's not going to take a team friendly deal because he knows your team's best player wants me. And I think it would be wise of him to take, you know, like I said, at least get what you're getting now. So I think he's going to like 36 million from his last year with Brooklyn. I think Steve Ballmer with the money would do it because they're about to open a new arena. You got to keep fans engaged because we know how LA sports goes. When USC was rocking, the Clippers didn't have a lot of fans. The USC stadium was packed. The Rams were decent and they still couldn't fill the stadium because the hierarchy of all the other things you have to do in LA, everything else is entertaining in LA. That's why Portland is always packed. That's why the jazz games are always packed because there's not much else to do for your outside entertainment. But in LA, everything's entertaining. You have baseball, multiple basketball teams, you got the college football, you got the nightlife, you have the celebrities. You just have the whole ambiance and mystique of Southern California. So you have to be on it. You have to be blockbuster all the time. So 
Kyrie to the Clippers makes a lot of sense. I don't know how many people you can keep, but I think him and Ty Lue back together, I think that might work out. Um, I do like him with Doc Rivers. I think a strong-headed coach is going to work, but if they get beat by Boston, I don't know if Doc Rivers comes back. I think it might be a situation. I think that that no matter who they lose to, anything short of the Eastern Conference Finals, I think Doc is gone. Yeah, because I mean, I'm, like we always, you always joke about how the Celtics live off of that one championship. And oh, man. You know, they still that, having dinner that, about that. They're going to have a 15, what, but that, I guarantee you, it's going to be a picture this June of them popping champagne, celebrating the 15 but that's his years whole, since they that's won That's his that. whole coaching career. He's blown more three ones than anybody, you know, like, you know, but besides that championship year and in, in the time in Boston in general, because they did make a finals after that. Outside of that, he's just been a whole lot of disappointment, high expectations, and just doesn't come through. Not his fault per se, always, but you know, he does have a team. Are always he there. always has a squad that just is but, well put together. Well, see, I never it thought just, that it comes up short. So you know, two five, you know, I was the guy that never saw the original Clippers, the CP3, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. I was the one dude that never saw them as a contender. Everybody else was always, this team should be in the finals. This team should win the West or be in the Western Conference Finals. I just didn't see it because they, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan were both very limited in what they offered and what they could do. Blake Griffin got a lot better over the years as far as adding a shot. But at the time yeah. that you know they were together, he was dunking half of the time. It wasn't even a dunk. He was just high in the air and just threw it at the rim. So you know, so, that happened a so you know, times. I, a lot of those times was dunk. It was he was, yeah, he was so jamming I, so on people. So I never saw him as a contender. You know, like I said, not Doc Rivers' fault, but I think people take what he did in Boston, not realizing what brought to Boston. The team was so much deeper than the big three they had. You know, they had Posey coming off the bench and Eddie House and. You know, Keon Clark was playing well, had a lot going on, and he was able to win the championship. Baby. So you can't, take, yeah, you Rondo. can't take that away from him. You can't take that away from him. You know what I mean? But the rest of his career is a whole lot of. Eh. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you there, but I, Glenn Rivers. Yeah, so, yeah, it's 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 gonna be tough. I mean, he did trade his own son, so you gotta admit that. The guy there's no there's no nepotism going on. He's like, listen, so you got to get up out of here. I need to get some more pieces in. So the Denver move, Kyrie, I, logistically, I don't see how it makes sense because Jokic handles mm-hmm. the ball so much. Mm-hmm. The Knicks just paid Jalen Brunson. His dad works for the Knicks. He's not going to the bench, and they're both small guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Chicago, because I think they would be willing to make a splash. Because, like you said, one of them, they, one of those guys is coming off the books. Levine or DeRozan. Somehow, I think they're going to move them. Because they should have done it earlier this year. I remember conversations that were probably going around, like, December time frame. They should have just made the deal to get him to L.A., get whatever they could have got out of L.A., stockpiles and stuff. Because some teams is like... Some teams just don't have the moxie to mm-hmm. recover from going three and eight in eleven game stretch. It just keeps going downhill. You have all and the Bulls need a new coach too. 
the Bulls so need a like, coach too. It, it just doesn't. Sometimes you just you know like you got to recognize like, this is not working. What can we break down? Brooklyn recognized that it wasn't working, and mm-hmm. you know they're they're still six in the East. Maybe <laughs> this sounds ridiculous. Maybe it goes back to Brooklyn. Maybe they have a conversation, and they're like, "Hey, man, all right, cool. We'll give you three years, ninety nine. I, I could see, I could see that if he didn't post that video. Yo, the video was not the thing. It's like this. You ever meet you have you you know a guy and you know he wants to break up with his girl. He's 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 want to break up with her, and she's t- she tells him, "Hey, uh, me and the girls are gonna go down to Miami for one of my friends' birthday over this weekend." And he makes a big deal about it, so they just break up. He don't care about that trip to Miami. He just was like, listen, I wanted to get rid of her anyway. That was a perfect excuse. You go down to Miami. You know, I don't like this girl. I just make a big deal. Like, you know, I'm sick of this. And then, like, they break up. And he's like, finally, I'm free. They did not care about that video. First of all, Jeff Bezos didn't take it off of Amazon. Nor did they suspend him when the whole first thing came out. They didn't do anything until all the powers that be knocked on their door and gave them all for they couldn't refuse. And now all of a sudden he's suspended. And I think that's probably part of Kyrie's like issue with him. Like, listen, I told y'all this is the same thing. When we think about Ray Rice, Ray Rice told the story, how it happened, how it appeared on camera in the elevator. And he got two games and then that hotel shut down. And then the security guard, whoever recorded all these videos, put them out and sold them to TMZ and these other little tabloid sites to get a little change. And then, the story came out like, oh, yeah, he did tell us what happened in the elevator. Everything that we saw on camera matched up. And it was like, so why'd you suspend him for longer? And I think that's what happened with Kyrie. He's like, listen, you guys already knew this. We already discussed it. We already talked about how I felt. Whatever he was saying privately, like, listen, I've been doing research on myself. I'm from this part of the, the world. I'm, I, I'm not anti-Semitic. And they're like, listen, you can't do that. And then they leave the meeting, and now suddenly everyone else gets mad, and they put him in, and then they suspend them, and then they end up trading them. So I think I'm not saying he got a bad rap, but it did take a long time for him to all of a sudden get suspended for five to seven games. Mm-hmm. So, all right, one more team that I just thought about. So Miami, because it's about time for them to come off a of Kyle Lowry, but <laughs> but I was thinking about Toronto maybe. You know, put him up there with Siakam, but th- but it goes back to your point about Jokic. Scotty Barnes is such a big part of the ball handling up there. I don't know if it if it works in that way, but Kyrie is a good shooter, so it's not like putting Russ off the ball where you don't know what's going to happen. You know, so I mean, there's there's the, the possibilities are endless, but I mean, out of the teams yeah. that we did mention, I think I think I like Chicago the best. You like Chicago? I think realistically. Because, like I said, rumor, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what he said out loud, but if, if he wants a max deal or a max type of deal or a max money deal, it's the Lakers or he stays in Dallas. Because I don't think either one of us said Dallas is one of the possible teams. So if he wants the max deal, if he wants the max deal, obviously you have to stay in Dallas and because the team that has you can offer you a bigger deal. And if you want, a huge deal in free agency leaving Dallas. I think it's the Lakers because he has, he has an advocate 
mm-hmm. in the boardroom already in LeBron James. Well, the so good news for LeBron Dallas only has one or two more years. He still can advocate for him. Well, the good news for Dallas is that Kyrie didn't say that he'll come back if they'll have him. He didn't say that. No, he didn't say because you know that's what he said, boss. Me when he, when he became a Celtic, like I'm, I'm coming back as long as they have me. You know, he ain't say that yet, so he might stay because he kind of zigged when everybody said maybe Kyrie is the real two five. Yo, Kyrie is the ultimate two five, and I respect it. Uh. So I, I would mean, like for him to explain Flat Earth to me, though. You know, I find that so entertaining. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. I had a couple of those conversations. <laughs> a, you talk a, about a rabbit hole. You talk about a rabbit hole. You, you I start reading. I don't believe in Flat Earth. I don't believe in Flat Earth. But you get me starting to read about that stuff, man. It's the rabbit hole of all rabbit holes. You yeah, know, but what is not a rabbit chaos. hole, what is not a rabbit hole, is Lonzo Ball's knee. So we're going to get somber for a minute because I feel sad for the guy. You know, uh, he came out of college from UCLA with a lot of hype. You know, um, it didn't work out year one. People gave up on But then he started getting better. You know, he took some leaps and bounds before he got injured. And I just don't know. Like, I'm almost at a point where I don't even know if he's ever going to play again. If you... I've had this many knee surgeries in 2019, 2021, like in this, this, this heightened medical orthoscopic surgery, laser surgery, robots doing surgery, taking the ligament out of your elbow and putting it in your kneecap and then taking one out of your toe and putting it in your neck. They could do all this stuff. If you're having this many surgeries and your knee is still not right, and they're expecting you to not play next year. Like you're not expected to play until October 2024. And we in March 2023. And you haven't played since 2022 or 2023. It's like, what do you need? Do you need a knee replacement at what is he, 25? If that well, it's wild because initially <coughs> when he first got injured, they said it was a small meniscus tear and i'm like no he tore that whole damn thing apparently but even with that i mean granted this is a different injury but adrian pearson tore his whole acl mcl and pcl had surgery january 1st and then won the mvp in football the following season started week one so it's like what what what's going on with your knee granted i want to get in this man's medical business but is like, are you are you done? Like, is your is your career is it really over? Is it honestly is it worth even trying to come back? Is it is it are the injury clauses in your contract allowing you to stay optimistic where you still have a team to come back to? Are you still getting paid? Like, how much are you getting paid? Is like, right, is right. it worth going through you know another surgery? And if you're not playing until 2024, I only imagine that your rehab has to be what nine months. Like if the expectation is that you're not going to be, you're not going to be ready in seven months from now if you have this surgery, and you're not going to be ready at all for the remainder of the season. So for next in seven months, you're not going to be ready. You got a whole five extra months before the season ends. You're not going to be ready for the end of next season, right? Is like, is it time to say, 
yo, this ain't for me. And LeVar Ball did an outstanding job. Him and Tina, you know, raising three boys in the in the in the limelight that they've been in. Cause they've probably been, I'm gonna say what 20 when you first really heard of them, 2016, 2017, somewhere that time frame, somewhere about six, seven years that, ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lonzo Ball's been, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and he's a young gun, but he hasn't had any real significant off the court issues. Yeah, they had a TV like show seen, on Facebook. Had a TV show on Facebook. How much money is that? I mean, Facebook has four billion like profiles. So you have a show on that. That's I mean, you're you're getting paid, and they're in the limelight. And then Lonzo, you know, like Lonzo Mello, they they have like this. Uh, you know, Jello Jello got in trouble in China. And it seemed like they just like that the foundation of their family. Look, I mean, ironically, it's a ball that just bounced back. But for him to be in this position where he fixed a jump shot, you could tell he works. You can tell at his core, he's a worker. You could tell that the way his his, his family is structured, you could tell that they they are a resilient group of people. His mother's health issues, you can just tell, like just intrinsically that. LeVar is a personality. We need more personalities like him. And that's why I wish Lonzo and Jello and all of them and LaMelo were all in the league because, I mean, he was just great to be on. He was great on TV. Great on TV. And How much they selling shoes for nowadays? Yo, yo, I'm telling it was it was genius. That marketing strategy was genius. You, you know what makes me mad? for a commercial. He didn't pay for a single commercial. ESPN, Fox Sports 1, CNN, everybody was like, oh, you got this guy here thinks he can sell shoes for $500. Didn't pay for a commercial. You know what makes me mad, though? All, all I hear is people telling all the time, you know, we got to keep the money in our community. We got to do this. We got to do that. We can't rely on other people. And then everybody said, well, why he turned down Nike? Why he gonna turn down Adidas? Because he's trying to do what you said you wanted. <laughs> Yo, like I don't think people understand. Like D Wade signed his leading or leaning shoe deal. I can't even pronounce it. And I've never purchased a pair of those shoes, but like you could probably get them now. They're a reasonable basketball price. I think they're like one hundred thirty bucks or less for most of his basketball shoes, which is standard like if Nike around like 160, 170 for like shoes. You just want to hoop in. You might even be able to get them mostly for a hundred, but he signed like a deal because they were like an emerging company. And if it blows up, it could be worth like something like a half a billion dollars. So LeVar Ball is trying to do that same thing. Cause Nike started out competing with Puma and Adidas and kangaroos and converse and everybody else yeah so you got to start somewhere and i think i think what he did there is just it just like i said even with that everybody was against him he still went on tv he took the shots he was at the draft wearing the lakers gold hat like i talked to him he's like i've been known this was gonna happen my son was gonna be number two my other son's coming up and my youngest son's the best of all three of them i mean it was the muhammad ali level just bravado mixed with yeah. real hard work. It was real hard Lay, work. He tried to take him down. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to repeat it because he just, he did his thing. Like, you know, it just is like, 
just collectively, you could you could tell that the resolve with, with the, within that household, you know, it resonates on the court. So it's sad that I because I like Lonzo. I I like the fact that he changed his shot. He worked on it. He was well played well at it. You add, you know, he was a skinny kid coming out of high school and out of UCLA. You put a little weight on the way the NBA plays now at that height, six seven, six eight. You know, so I just I just think that yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a sad turn of for events. This era. He's perfect for this you know. era. And, you know, and coming out of college, you know, being a Kentucky fan, you know, that was the thing. Him or De'Aaron Fox, you know, that was the conversation. And they yeah. had played each twice that year, you know, and it was must-see TV, you know. And even though the Lakers took Lonzo ahead of De'Aaron, I would have took De'Aaron. But Lonzo definitely has shown, like you said, with his hard work and dedication, that he could have fulfilled a lot of the hype that he was given. Like, I don't know. Magic was talking about his name was going to be in the rafters. Being the rafters. I don't know yeah, why you see what I'm like, saying. I think he rhetoric, was trying to match. Rhetoric. He was he was trying to match Lavar because Magic is the show, and Lavar right, was going right. to take over the show. So I think so, he was trying to match that. So Lonzo had the first surgery on January 28th of last year. So January 28th, 2022. That's when the first surgery went down. And then, you know, he was having some issues. And then before training camp started for this season that we're in now, that's when it was announced that he was going to get some um, arthroscopic surgery, you know, and supposedly reevaluated in four to six weeks. And now it's been four to six months and we're getting reports that he can't run or jump. He's on the Byron Jones. So, so that's where it's scary, you know, like, because Brandon Roy, you know, the question is Lonzo, the next Brandon Roy, you know, Brandon Roy, we saw him reach his peak and that, you know, it sucked because we saw, I'd say 80% of the finished product, you know, whereas yeah. Lonzo was just starting, to, he was starting to begin. And, you know, like, for example, when he played with the Bulls, the record with him was 22 and 13. And then when he left, they, their record was 24 and 23. You know, he came into the league shooting 20% or so from three. And that time with Chicago, he was a 42% three-point shooter. You know, he was top six or seven in the league in three-point percentage, you know, after yeah. everybody wrote him off. So that's why it's hard going back to your point here about grinders and how people look at their athletes and want them to resonate and be a part of them. Long had that. You know, and I think that it's the gift and the curse, right? Because if LeVar wasn't there, I think more people would have gravitated towards Lonzo, like versus him being that polarizing figure. And it wasn't even him. It was just his dad. But by extension, people look him in a polarizing way. I think that without LeVar even, people would have, but I don't know if he would have got that same work ethic without LeVar. So that's the gift and the curse. So, you know, um, it just makes that, man, you know, it takes me back to Penny. It takes me back to Grand Hill. You know, these injuries just have a way of taking things away from us before we get to see them. Derek Rose, you know, we don't get to see these things yeah. in their full bloom. And, you know, Lonzo Ball is just the next other long list. Greg Oden, you know, we can keep going. Like, there's just names that we've seen throughout history yeah. that we just never got to reach their their full potential. You know, so I'm pulling for Lonzo. You know, like, 
there was a time, and I know it's different. I know it's different, but there was a time where we thought we would never see Markel Fultz again, you know, or that he wasn't going to turn into something, and he's starting to come together. Yeah, that was a grind because he was doing a thing with the free throws. He was, like, tapping the ball back and forth before you shot him. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. It was, like, it was getting, like, uh, lane violations on people because he would come up and, and then well, shoot him. Like, that's that's, but that's why I'm hopeful because Lonzo – that's why I'm hopeful because Lonzo wasn't explosive in that Derrick Rose Russell Westbrook way. You know, like uh so you know, being six seven, six eight, if he does if he is able to come back one day, you know, that he's perfect for this era. He could be your three now. You know, he doesn't have to be the point guard. And you could just rotate and him. If he is a point guard, he can play a lot like a big guard, like a Chauncey Bills, or he can play like Penny because I mean, Penny, yeah, Penny was explosive. Same thing like Grand Hill and these guys, these six, seven, these, these, these new wave of, of players, because he won't be Tatum. Healthy, right. maybe a little bit of weight. I think Tatum is a little bigger as far as like I think he's a little But will little he be better solid. than Jalen Brown? Listen, <laughs> I'm not trying to pin those boys against each other. I hope they stay. I hope I hope they stay together like Jordan and Pippen. And just don't let people, the outside people, come in and and interrupt what they got going on. Yeah, but like I said, it's sad with Lonzo. Like, okay, he's been in the league five years. That's you know four hundred ten games. He only played two hundred fifty two, and you you might as well add another, you know, the rest of this season twelve fourteen games, and then the additional eighty two games on top of that. So it's like five, like only half the game that he can play over a five or six, five or six seasons when he had promise. Yeah. To the point where like, they're trying hope. to keep him around. I'm holding out hope because Grant Hill was able to come back and make a decent career out of it. Like he never obviously reached the heights that in his early years, but he became a productive player on a contender. Yeah. You, yeah, you know, exactly. and I think right, yeah, and I think right now that's the best case scenario for long. Like, I, I just want the dude to get better. If he can't play again. Fine, but I would love the dude to be able to run again or jump again or do normal things that we take for granted. So that's first and foremost, you know. But as a basketball fan, I would love to see him back on the court and I would love whatever that role is, you know. Like, um, I wasn't necessarily a Lonzo Ball fan coming out of out of college or whatever, but at this stage, you know, I guess I consider myself to be a Lonzo Ball fan because I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I mean, it's. Like I said, the, the the work ethic, man, tough guy, tough kid. I'm rooting for his brother. I don't know what they're doing down in Charlotte. I'm rooting for his other brother to get a shot at the league because there's a lot of guys I hear getting minutes. I'm like, I'm pretty yo, sure Jello could do that. Yo, first of all, first of all, you know, while Houston is out here with Tate and Kenya Martin Jr. walking around, you know, saying bring in Jello that could shoot the ball. You know, the Pistons, you know, you're at the bottom of the league. Bring in Jello Ball, you know, like these teams at the the Spurs, you know, like y'all out here losing thirty point games, you can lose point games with Jello. Yeah, and then the people say, "Oh, you don't want to deal with, you know, the dad." I'm like, you mean so the dad that raised three NBA players, <laughs> successful businessman before his kids. Like, it's one thing. Like, if his kids got to the NBA and he took their NBA money and it became a successful businessman. He was a successful businessman when his kids were still in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and he had a little run with the Carolina Panthers, uh, built a strong family. He was like, oh, we don't want to deal with the dad. 
the dad gave you three stars with the dad and the mom. Shout out to D1 moms out there giving, you know, making these big life skin kids. But Yo, like, LaMelo, it gave LaMelo is legit. LaMelo is legit. Like, there were people literally saying that Golden State shook him for James Wiseman. They told and, him and now, they were going to take him. And, 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 now, and now Wiseman is where? Now, granted, you know, he's been basketball Siberia. Yeah, he's been getting some double doubles now that he's in Detroit. You know what I mean? But there was talk where, like, it was like, will the Warriors actually draft LaMelo Ball? And now I feel bad because I would have liked to see what that looked like. You know, because Jordan Poole. Yeah, because like I said, Jordan Poole, to me, has regressed this year. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't have the same outlook on him that I had even just a year ago. So I would have loved to have seen LaMelo stand I think the team, I think the team dynamic may factor into that. But I think if you had, I mean, imagine being able to sit Steph from three minutes left in the first to like six minutes left in the second every week, and you just give the ball to Clay, Mello, Jordan Poole, or Clay. All right, Clay, you're gonna play back to backs, but we're gonna give you. 30, 30 minutes one game, 27 the next, and you still winning because you have another guy. Imagine what he could have learned from Steph and Clay. I mean, it's just you know what? I think it's you a bad what? move for them to take a big man that 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 especially when they don't use a big man to score. So you know what? Portland great for LaMelo. <laughs> Yo, I mean, once Jordan leaves. It's going to be, once he sells, gets his $1.7 billion in slides, it's going to be a fire sale. I think mm-hmm. the next person coming in, either is going to, they're going to try to buy up a free agent because he's probably going to yep. sell to some tech guy. Because I think the Phoenix, Phoenix got sold to some, some tech money guy. I think he's in like his 40s or something like that. Some so, crypto so, money so from, guy, something like that. So from your vantage point, are we going to see Lonzo on the NBA court again? Yo, I can't, I I can't imagine so if they're expecting him not to play next year. Right now, like I don't know. With one injury, we saw Clay tear the ACL, rehab, 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 and then tear the Achilles on the op on the other leg, and he didn't play for couple of years and i remember he i saw like a twitter picture of him either he was sitting on the bench the night before he was gonna i think he's gonna play like the next day and he just was sitting there by himself there's no fans there and it was some crazy number like 800 days or nine it was some crazy high number from the last time he played an nba game after the two injuries but that was one injury rehab or surgery rehab and then a new one with Lonzo, it seems like is a progressive problem with the same thing that they can't fix. So it seems hard to think that he's going to be able to come back, considering that he should have come back at least once from one of these surgeries, from one of these procedures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was having the issues while he was playing, so it wasn't like he, like it just he had an injury. Like Derrick Rose tore his ACL on that drive to the basket. And it was like, okay, everything's downhill from there. Lonzo was having games where he wasn't playing in L.A. before they even got traded. 
You know, so he's all he's had this problem since he joined the league. Well, knees. I can't wait for this. I, I can't wait for the 30 for 30, if nothing else. Oh, it's gonna be great. The behind the scenes footage. <laughs> yes, it's you know, gonna be but fantastic. You, yeah, like I said, I, I hope he does make it back if it's just as a role player playing small forward that isn't running the point anymore. Like I would just like to see the dude on the court, period. Because I mean he he like you said, he's a hard worker. You know, he's obviously skilled and gifted. So, you know, I just We've seen so many players, man. That's that's the thing that's bothering me about it. And he's so young. Like, it'd be different if he was 28 and we had already seen him at his best, like Brandon Roy or something. Like, but we yeah. knew what Brandon Roy was going to be. We Brandon Roy was on his way and it just got snatched from us. But we saw the we, we, we saw the flashes. You know, we knew what was coming. You know, whereas yeah, Lonzo. Greg Oden at Ohio State. Greg, the same thing with Greg Oden at Ohio State. I mean, it was just like, granted, it was college, and he, but he just looked so fluid. He looked like New Shaq. He looked like he was going to be as dominant as Shaq. And it just, puff, gone. Just um, just over. I, I mean, they, he, took, they he, took him over Kevin Durant. Like, like, can you imagine being Portland, taking Odin over Kevin Durant, and then you did the whole Sam Bowie over Jordan thing? Sam like, Whew, Kentucky back then, you know, credit credit to at that time, Jordan being a guard, it was it that wasn't the move that was that's like taking a, a big man number one overall right now, taking a guard one, two, or three, a smaller guard like Jordan, it wasn't the move. Like, if somebody right now took the big center out of Purdue number one overall next year, you're like. But Wimbyama, hey. you know, he's is a wing. He's stretching. I don't know if he's a four or five or three at seven foot four. Oh, hey, the, the, the mock draft. Speaking of which, the last mock draft that I saw had that dude within the last twelve to fifteen picks draft. And after getting sunned by a bunch of six three dudes, I'm not sure he's going to get drafted at all. <laughs> yeah, listen. Sometimes like, I mean, I you got to be take tall. That was that was my my life goal. Like, I just wanted to be tall. I mean, he better than uh, Taco now being Fall, an ABA. So... <laughs> Yo, Taco Fall was a fan favorite. I don't know how he he didn't get any run in the league. He was a people loved him. It's like I how know, you have a seven but... foot six guy on the bench. It's like you gotta get a rebound. Like nah. Like I mean, I saw George Burson and Sean Bradley play in the NBA. You know, Zach Eady got to get a shot at least. You know. You would think, you would think. You know, but yeah, so, you know, at that point, you know, um, Lonzo, you know, I'm for you, man. You know, like, I hope to see you on this court again, man. We miss you. Yo, it's, it's a tough run, man, like, but hopefully he comes back strong. Speaking of strong, you know, Mike, you always got something strong get off your chest. So, you know, I got I got our, our you know Twitter and Instagram handles up here now. So when, you know, Mike fires off, you guys can fire off at him. So let's hear it, Mike, what you got to get off your chest. So, you know, this one is actually kind of tame because I'm just happy today, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because the madness is here. So, you know, we already saw 
Purdue, you know, become the second six or one seed to go down to a 16 seed. And all weekend on these videos, I've been referring to this man as Curtis Painter, <laughs> knowing that his name is Matt Painter. But I'm going to get back to him. So today, Georgetown hired Ed Cooley from Providence. I told you how I don't like that just because he went to a conference like that. But it was a good pickup. The only thing I ask is Georgetown bring back the Iverson Grays. You know, on the other end, St. John's, you know, brought in Rick Patino. So, you know, he's back in the Big East, you know, bring back the Bootsy Thornton uniforms. And then somebody please do me a favor and bring UMass back, the University of Dr. J and Marcus Camby. Can somebody bring them back? You know, but on a sad note, real quick, before I get into Curtis, or I'm sorry, see, there it is again. Before I get into yeah. Matt Painter, uh, St. Francis University of Brooklyn, you know, of the Northeastern Conference decided to shut down their Division One athletics today. So they're going away. So that's one less team that we'll have in division one. So one less chance of a Cinderella. So that makes me sad, but Matt Painter. Okay. So Virginia has been the talk of the sports world for a couple of days from the standpoint of they were the first one seed to lose to a 16. And then they lost as a four seed, you know, to Ohio and to Furman this past week. And everybody has been giving Tony Bennett all this crap. You know, is he really a great coach? Is he a regular coach? Last I checked, Tony Bennett won a national title in between all that. So you can't take that away from him. You cannot take that away from him. Matt Painter, on the other hand, let's do some examining. So So I'm looking at Matt Painter here and... Not only did he lose to Fairley Dickinson the other day as a one seed jersey stand up, year, he lost as a 15 seed, or sorry, to the 15 seed in the Sweet 16, which was St. Peter's of New Jersey. Jersey stand Shout out, Jersey. We're in the building. You're... And then in 2021, he was a four seed and lost in the first round to seed Texas. The only difference here is that he don't have the national title. So maybe he's the regular season coach that you accuse Tony Bennett of being. But not only that, not only that, Matt Painter has now joined Lute Olson of Arizona fame and Tony Bennett as the only coaches to lose three NCAA tournament games to teams seated 13th or lower. But wait, there's more. There's more. <laughs> Out of those three, and this one from Chris Felica, you know him as the Bear, formerly of College Game Day, now over at Fox Sports. I got this one from him on Twitter. But he's the only one that lost to a 13 or lower seed in consecutive tournaments. So, unfortunately for you, Maynard, you don't have the title that Tony Bennett and Luke Olsen has. So I don't understand why Tony Bennett is getting... I mean, you got to criticize because it is what it is, but you're the one that should maybe lose your job. I don't like to call for people to lose their job. I'm just saying it is what it is. You know, you can't have that type of stain on your record. 
and still be allowed. Or, I mean, change up your recruiting philosophy or something. You know, maybe y'all should have took a chance on Imani Bates. I don't know. But Matt Painter, I'm sorry, but you're the weakest link. Goodbye. That's how <laughs> get off my chest. Told you, man, Mike, no ill wills, but like every once in a while, you just be on one. It's like, you know, coaches that don't don't succeed in the postseason. That's that's one of his, his pet peeves. So my get off my chest. It's rather simple. Like we talked about this before. And I, and I have a co-worker who's a, a Ravens fan. And we talk about the Lamar Jackson contract and all the other contracts have been getting handed out. NFLPA, the next time you guys sit down and collectively bargain, you need to figure out what you guys are going to do. So you got these guys out here signing one-year deals for $3 million, not a lot of protection there, not a lot of future benefits, but everyone's doing it because these teams are structuring these deals. They're like, okay, I'm going to give you three years, $24 million, but only 17 guaranteed. It's like, well... I'll just take the one year eight million because that's basically what you're giving me because the deal is going to be structured a la what they did to Derek Carr. You can sign this extension, but we're going to cut you before the extension kicks in and we don't have to pay you. Meanwhile, you have guys, you know, divas like Aaron Rodgers getting $59 million and he was a headache before his contract got signed. So you got to start putting these provisions, permissions, so like these players can get real money get these guaranteed contracts that way you don't have guys out here risking an injury and they have like injury guarantees and all this crazy verbiage get these guys paid get them their money you want this product you want a billion dollars a week as an owner to split up between the 32 of you then pay the guys who are out there risking their bodies to play pay the guys who are due their money like if someone's due and they performed and get their money give them their money pay them that check and move on because you're ruining the team dynamic in a very tough sport where you have a real opportunity as a team to go from first to worse and worse to first. So if you sit there and play this game to be like, oh, well, Lamar Jackson doesn't deserve this money, but did he deserve the money when he's out there MVP on a rookie deal? When he was you know, out there on a rookie deal won the MVP, did he deserve his money then? Because he was getting less money. Did he deserve his money last year when he was getting $23 million? But now, all of a sudden, him getting $40 million a year, he's not worth it. But you got a guy doing ayahuasca in the dark tent getting $59 million, who doesn't have that much more playoff success than Lamar Jackson does. And then you have, a, you know, you got Danny Dimes getting $40 million a year. Meanwhile, his numbers dip when Saquon was in the lineup, but yet you only give Saquon 10 At some point, either within the players, they got to start saying, listen, man, I'm not taking this check unless you look out for everybody. No, I'm not taking a pay cut. I want my 40 million, but you got to get this guy's 12 or his 13 or his 14. You got to re-sign this guy. Players have to really use their leverage because right now it seems like everyone just out for themselves and they're just taking these deals. I mean, poor, like, granted, your performance is based on how you get paid. But Baker Mayfield was set to probably get a fifth-year option, $30 million last year. Now he's about to play for like 6.3. And then you want guys to, you know, come in and shape and be ready to go and be professional. But meanwhile, you can't negotiate professionally. You negotiate like you have, like you're dangling something over them 
And then you wonder why guys hold out. And then when they hold out, you find them. So you don't pay me. And then I hold out. Guess my only real leverage is to not show up and use my body for your entertainment. Well, not use my body to make your team better. And you find me $50,000, $60,000 a day when I don't show up. So NFL PA, get it together. Get with the baseball PA. Figure out how they did it. Figure out what their argument was. Get some of their lawyers on your team. Cross-pollinate your intelligence so you guys can get real contracts that are guaranteed because we know they're turning profit every year. Roger Goodell's getting extension every single time it's due. So he's getting his extension every time it's due. Lamar should get his, just like Paris Campbell, who signed a one-year, $3 million deal to play with the Giants. He should be able to say for two years, family, we're going to live here for $8 million. Odell Beckham Jr. still doesn't have a deal. It's like people should be able, you're going to use them and their talent to bolster your bank accounts and your net worth. Show the respect and pay them and give them their money. So with that being said, you know, I got that off my chest. We're going to have a lot of contract conversations because Lamar's probably not going to get signed. It's going to pop up probably every week. Like I said, we, we try to keep it fresh with the topics, but every once in a while, like you read through the stuff and you hear it. And then you even read what Lamar tweeted out. He was like, oh, yeah, I turned down 200 million. How about three years, 133 guaranteed? He's like, let's be realistic here. Like, let's get the facts out here. And obviously, you can see this Lamar Jackson situation should be the galvanizing piece for the players. It's like, wait, you're not going to pay that guy? Everyone said you paid a quarterback. Everyone says you pay the MVP. Everyone says you pay the guy that is 75% of the reason why people are in seats. It's a lot of eight jerseys in those stands. It's a lot of eight jerseys coming off the shelf. There's not a lot of them sitting on the internet waiting to be bought. It's a lot of sold-out sizes of eight with Jackson on the back. So cut that man's check and, and, and put your team in a position where you can win. So... So speaking of Jacksons, you don't treat Mike like Tito. <laughs> you know, that's basically I mean, what it boils yo, down to. Talent versus tolerance. How much you think he's gonna tolerate this? Somebody's gonna want him. They think they think that initial, oh, we're not gonna pursue Lamar. Okay. Listen, I'm I'm a Falcons fan. I saw what Desmond Ritter did. It took him like three games to get a touchdown pass, and it wasn't even a real pass. He just rolled left. A roll right and floated the ball up to the tight end, and it looked like a looked like he sneezed the ball out of his hand. So I'm not yeah, sure dude. how much he has. So we do got I, a first round wanna, pick. Do I want to set up Eric Bieniemy the wrong way with a fifth round draft pick? I mean, it's not that far. He don't have to move. That's what I'm saying. I'm you just saying. take a helicopter right in Orlando. Magic. Hey, Magic. Hey, Magic. I heard Magic Johnson's trying to join up with the new ownership. Magic, make it happen. Make it happen. I mean, he has a way of getting stars to his teams. You know what I'm saying? Put it on the T-shirt, underdog. You know what I'm saying? That being said, I got off my chest. Uh, We're going to wrap up another fun episode here. Mike, you can see see our Twitter handles and Instagrams on the screen. Uh, Mike, you want to give any shout outs? Yo, shout out to you, the public, for supporting us. You know, shout out 
to podbay.fm for letting me advertise on there the day. Shout out to StreamYard, you know, for letting us do this and giving us this beautiful setup so you can get a better, clearer picture of our beautiful smiles. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> thank you. Thank you to the Wiz, Lindsay Faye, for allowing me the time to do this, you know, because I know it takes away from family time and everything, but she knows how much it means to me. So, you know, thank you for allowing me to do this, you know, and then, you know, thank you, Raph, you know, for bringing the heat. You know, saying and keeping me accountable and on my toes. <laughs> you know, I just want to thank the world. I'm so happy right now. Hey, shout out to Mike. Like I said, yo, Mike does so much behind the scenes. Every day I'm getting messages. He's doing the count. So I was like, yo, let's let's expand on this to see how far we can go. Um, like I said, two vets, no gimmicks, a couple of retired guys like to talk sports, like to keep it authentic. Um, like I said, we're still new to this, it's flowing. Um, like I said, we got this new opportunity here with StreamYard. Shout out to StreamYard. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, you can yep. find me on Twitter, Fear My Wrath, Instagram, Sports Reports is already. You see the underscores, uh, emails, sportsreportsao at gmail.com. I mean, anywhere you want it, we're going to start streaming live to where we're right on your Facebook. We'll have people in the comment section. Listen, everybody always says, yo, we about to do it real big, and they never do. Everybody has something big inside of them. We're trying to let ours out. We're trying to get connected with more people. We're trying to reach out to the guys in the sports groups and reach out with their groups. More topics, more arguments, more debates, more hypotheticals, more contract talk, more Kyrie talk. More. We haven't even done a Lakers segment yet. I mean, like we got, I mean, the world is our orchard because sports are happening every day. As soon as baseball figures out what they're going to do, we can start talking about them more. So, you know, we got it all. Like I said, we appreciate everybody that's been there every step of the way. And, uh, you know, just keep just keep riding with us, and we'll appreciate it. Yo, rate us, like us, review us, check out the YouTube Sports Reports is order. It's all free. You know, it don't cost you anything to click like. It doesn't cost you anything to leave a review. Just keep it real. That's all we ask. We're going to keep it real with you. And we love you, America. Out. Out.